good um so joe uh you gotta start off by saying um thank you very much for dinner oh you're uh, welcome and uh you it, it was amazing uh meeting you meeting your wife and how do you say her name again it was Ma- malora 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 okay i kept saying my and i'm like <laughs> my laura <laughs> <Just like, laughs> I won't say it that way. <laughs> it's no, just it was, not yours. It was, and it was surprising how much the wives had in common. So that was great. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that, um, that, um, I'll tell you the, uh, the walk home was fun, uh, because how you, and, and my, like I said at dinner, it's like, I'm kind of used to a little bit used to the fact that like you guys said, like we, we know like everything about you guys. Right. She was taken aback. <laughs> She's never had people saying that stuff to her before. Like, oh yeah, and we heard this, and she was like, it, she wasn't mad or anything. She was just like, that is weird. I go, yeah, and, and, you get, yeah, you get used to it when you get emails and comments, and everybody's like, oh, and hey, hey, tell your daughter I said hi and congratulations. And for the, what, huh? For the for the <laughs> listeners, I had my wife listen to the podcast of DJ mm-hmm. and his wife on the flight to Cedia 2023. <laughs> right, and so. Yeah, so fresh in your minds and asking, and I know you and I, I mean, the four of us talked for quite a while, but then, mm-hmm. of course, we did break off into, not break off, we, you could, the two conversations are going, I don't know what they were saying, but you and I got heavily into home theater, <laughs> and they were talking, they're both educators, they're both in yeah. teaching, right, and you are uh, therapists or something like that. Is that so, my wife's a guidance counselor at the high school level. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, my wife, as, as well as my wife, is a guidance counselor now too. But she started as an English teacher. But yeah, tons in common. Uh, not the least of which is two psycho home theater nerds for husbands. <laughs> Married to a couple of donkeys. Exactly. Yeah, that, that donkeys term is really taken off. Um, <laughs> okay, but I, I want to talk Cedia twenty twenty three. You have notes. You have notes, I, and I'm not going to spoil any of my stuff <laughs> that's going to come out in the show later today in the, okay. in the live show, but I'm, okay. I, I'm, I, I know you have notes, so take it over, Joe. Right, so I'm, I'm curious, just high level. This is your first time attending. And, and for those who don't know, CDA Expo consumer electronics designers installers association is a trade show geared around integrators, right? So it's uh, manufacturers, all types of people who support the industry uh, have a booths, hundreds of booths there's thousands of people attending um that's kind of what most people think of it i i go heavily for the education side of it so uh for the three days i was there i spent two of them in back-to-back classes uh so all day thursday all day friday uh and saturday was really my day to be able to walk the show uh, and see a lot of demos so i've got notes on all of those that we can talk about and uh, what was played and i want to get your thoughts on those also okay I will uh, do my best without spoiling my show later today, but I'll give you my thoughts. (laughs) Uh, Understood. Okay. So uh, Saturday, like I said, was really the day that we got to see stuff. And I kind of sent you over my notes, but the only demo I had seen prior to 
Saturday at lunchtime on Thursday, I did sneak over to the Trinov, uh, Ascendo, uh, Officina Acoustica, uh, mm-hmm. Mad VR, uh, very, very impressive booth. So this was a, uh, unveiling of some new technology. So Trinov was showing off their, uh, new, uh, waveforming technology. Uh, the system had 24 21 inch subwoofers in it. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> very impressive. Uh, and I did actually take one of the classes that one of the co founders of Trinov, uh, Arnaud Labrie, uh, French name, don't know if I said it exactly right. Uh, but he was really, I, I think that was probably my second favorite class. Very technical, um, but talked a lot about how uh, by producing a planar wave of bass coming into the theater eliminates your sidewall, top wall reflections. Uh, bass is very, very evenly uh, played through every seat. And then at the back of the room, you have a uh, the second half of what they call a double bass array. And that is playing time delayed out of phase. And uh, basically the front wall puts the bass into the room. The back wall cancels it all out and corrects it. So you're really almost getting a um, free field subwoofer bass response. Uh, takes a lot of power to do it, uh, but their technology, and then beyond that, they're able to <clears throat> account for things like irregularities in the room uh, through their waveforming technology. So it was, it's been uh, developed over years and years, but really impressive demo. Uh, all of the speakers were, they were using were from a company called Ascendo. Uh, hmm. Got to take another class uh, from one of the guys uh, with Ascendo, uh, and he was talking about immersive bass. Uh, Jeffrey Heinzel, who's one of the co-founders of that company was there. So, I mean, uh, you can see that you're getting uh, upfront, close, personal conversations with really mm. industry, you know, icons, people who are driving the technologies of what uh, will trickle down into every level of home theater at some point. But yeah. the demos we got to see in there, they played a clip from uh, John Wick 4, uh, which I have not watched the whole movie all the way through, but this was uh, John Wick kind of punching a board uh, and then uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character getting reintroduced and bringing the suit in. So yeah, that's the opening scene. That. Yep. Is it? Okay. That's that's um, the opening but, scene of the movie. Yep. Yeah. A base that you could just literally feel. Uh, yeah. They played a clip from Spider-Man No Way Home, which was yeah. the uh, Mysterio. Mysterio, uh, yeah tricking Peter into doing all kinds of crazy things and revealing information by uh, holograms and illusions all around him. That one, especially with the overhead effects, was extremely good. Uh, Mm. You you could literally just feel him moving around the top. Uh, You know, I can kind of get a sense of that in my own home theater, but it was just really uh, very strong. And then the last one, I remember that they played a quiet place. Um, from the scene, you know, she's walking down the stairs, steps on a nail, sets the egg timer. You and I have talked about that one before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but again, bass, very I mean, palpable bass coming through the entire room. Yeah. That, that scene that this, this I don't have planned for the later show. So I'll say it now. Uh, yeah, that a quiet place scene. I felt it was very good at the bass section part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whoops. Sorry about that. Uh, very good at demonstrating the bass section. 
But where it suffered is even even in that room, which I'm sure we'll get to. I'm sure it's in your notes. <laughs> it's a big part of that feature. Um, even in that room, it, it kind of suffered being in the stu in that hall, right? Because Absolutely. the movie itself is called A Quiet Place, and that scene plays and, so well in a dedicated theater with right. no, but even if so, nobody's home, we don't have to have a fancy room. Just nobody else in the whole house making a noise. In there, when they went to those quiet scenes, you could, you could hear, hear like the floor, so you could hear other gemos going on, but then the yeah. bass comes on. And I, I thought that was interesting. I'd love to hear your comments on it because that's why I wasn't going to bring it up later. Nobody else would be around to comment. Um, what, like, it, it, it was an interesting choice as a demo because most of the demos throughout the show had a high noise floor just for that reason. I thought that was a really interesting choice on their part. So, so agree with you completely that it, it was a loud environment to be, and that's the nature of trade shows, right? Oh yeah. No yeah. What, um, and it is tricky, especially in booths like that, where you have multiple manufacturers, they're all trying to show off some different element of their systems. So if it was the overhead processing or, uh, how well the immersive base worked or the capability of the projector or, the screen itself, you know, there were a lot of different elements. So I think they probably chose uh, scenes that complemented one way or another, but I agree with you mm -hmm. that the background noise and that, I mean, I don't know how loud that hall was, but it was nonstop yeah. demos going on around you all the time. And that room was probably the best built demo room there. Uh, I think maybe the JBL room at the front of the hall did a better job with the background noise, uh, just because it was probably, mm. you know, thicker and yeah. quieter up there. Um, yeah, less, to, less around them. <laughs> yeah, probably. But yeah. by comparison, and we'll get to this in a second, there, we had other rooms with no roof on them that were playing very loud, rooms that were more or less, you know, you felt you, you were like in an igloo styrofoam cooler that it seemed like yeah. they were just, you know, thin walls that uh, sound could just totally penetrate through. But, so then, uh, any, anything else on Trinov, uh, room from your side of things? Just the, uh, just the room itself. And that's, you know, we're talking with Peter, I forget how to say his last name. Uh, he had the long hair. What is yeah. it? Peter yeah. Alet. Yeah. Him. And one of the things he said was, uh, you know, it's a, I, I kept hearing this over and over and I've got, I got stuff for the show later, but it's like, it's all about the experience, right? And it's like, that's what they're, they're just trying to give you the best. And everything that they're talking about, it's about the experience. And this is how you get the best experience. And, and listening, listen, talking with him very, very ever so briefly, it was just like, you know, you've, I'm no expert, and, right? I'm and, no engineer. And, but the passion coming out of him is just, it's just amazing, and 100%. that's all they care about. It's just the experience, right? It's not the technical and, and stuff, spent, and he even said as much. I spent probably five or six hours in classes with him because he did a, oh, yeah. um, um, a panel where he was the moderator, uh, and I can talk about those a little bit later on, as well as we did a four-hour workshop on the RP22, the new recommended practices for immersive audio that came out, was kind of debuted at the show. Um, and that's a 140-page book that he helped to – kind of spearhead through multiple, multiple industry icons and experts uh, providing input onto how a home theater experience should be built. And, you know, there's numerous elements I could spend, you know, multiple hours on that. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah. Great room. Um, Great room. And, I, and outside of that, I, I, you know, the mad VR demo out there, uh, was very impressive. I don't know if you sat and had a chance to see that, uh, they were using a Sony panel and switching mm-hmm. between the mad VR processing and the Sony processing. Um, yeah, substantially in, impressive what they were doing. Right. Oh yeah, it is. It's, I mean, any, those video processors, they, they do add a lot and they've, what surprises me is like, I've, you know, when I got my Lumigen, I was always like, oh, you really don't need these on a panel. They're so good. The panels are so good at, you know, replicating this stuff and everything, but it really shines on a projector. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I remember Todd was there last year and he was like, oh no, the panels need it too. <laughs> I was like, really? And it's like, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So he was showing yeah. scenes from like Spears and Munsell where, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the mm-hmm. horses in the snowfield mm-hmm. and the ability to see the amount of detail that the mad VR could pull out of the scene. And he did a really good job of talking about how it impacts your emotions about the scene. Right. So going back to the experiences, mm-hmm. if you can barely see these horses and it looks like a whiteout versus a snow flurry and these horses are having a good time, it's a different emotional uh, mm-hmm. connection you're having with the story that's being told. So it's, yeah, boy, the, you know, the technology uh, really does matter. Um, I was impressed by, uh, I was impressed by the Ascendo uh, speakers they had on, you know, they had a 32 inch woofer yeah. out there on display. They had voice coils, you know, as yep. big as hula hoops and, I mean, crazy stuff that was out there. Yeah. Uh, and that booth was nonstop busy. Um, so I think they got a lot out of there, uh, you know, as far as exposure and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I got over there Thursday at lunchtime and I had like a 15 minute wait. And I know some people were waiting for hour plus in line to get into yeah. the demo. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was amazing to see the lines at certain places and some places you'd think have, would have a line in other places and they didn't. And I was, mm-hmm. I was very surprised by that, by some of those places. But, um, uh, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. And next up. Uh, yeah. So speaking of one, I, speaking of one that I did not get into, Josh AI had a huge line around it all the time. Yeah. They were introducing some new processing, um, spoken language processing for programming and presets and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I, you know me, I'm there for the home theater side of things. Yeah. Um, but there was, you know, Lots of guys that were there about lighting or outdoor speakers or all kinds mm-hmm. of other stuff. But I was, you know, uh, as much as a, uh, I'm a hobbyist and enthusiast first and kind of work peripherally in the industry second. Uh, yeah. So then we switch over to Saturday and uh, I was chasing you into the Sony display. Uh, so I don't know if you realize, I think you guys were <laughs> oh, in yeah, the back corner. That. We were kind of up in the front corner. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know you were in there too. I didn't know. Yeah. You, I, oh yeah. Okay. So uh, I remember them showing Spider-Man No Way Home uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember which scene that was. Same one. Was it the same one? Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I think Sony was really trying to show off their projector there because uh, it was the 7,000, you know, their top, well, not top, but upper Here's laser. a tease. I'll tell you what they were showing off, but I'll tell you in the show later because it's, okay. and I was super impressed. And believe me, I've got coming up later, <laughs> talk about teases. I got my top five room experiences, right? And okay. so what I, so, and Sony made the top five, the Sony room, yeah. the 7,000 room. And it's, it, it I don't want to give it away, but it's like, I mean, it is super impressive. I think I told you when we were waiting in line for the, uh, for, the, for Grimani 
um, mm-hmm. how like impressive I, I thought it was. And um, it's funny because I was talking with Travis at, at, when we were waiting in line and I was saying, and he was like you and he was like, oh, it was nice. I think they were showing off their projector or whatever. And, but he was just like, yeah, it was nice. So, so a couple Go of things ahead. about that room. I was impressed by the fact that they ran off of a receiver and that was it. Mm-hmm. And it was driving a, I think 13 Kef speakers. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was neat. Uh, audio was eh, fine. It wasn't over the top like some of the others we had seen. It actually um, literally was, was over the top because they're all the, the speakers were elevated. <laughs> yeah. That, that room seemed too tall. That screen yeah. seemed too high to me. And yeah, the speakers yeah. seemed too high. And like the, the wides were pointing at each other. I mean, there were some right. things yeah. there it, that, it, I, yeah, know, there was could some, have been done better. Right. There was some calibration, not even calibration, just placement issues. It's, and and one of the things that they said, and I thought was funny, and is that they tell you in the presentation that the entire room, gear wise, sixty eight thousand dollars, right? And mm-hmm. my wife's like, when she walks out of there, she's like, what, sixty eight thousand dollars? And I was <laughs> yeah, like, this, I, think I was my like, doing that too. and I was like, uh, I don't want. I'll tell you later. And she goes, what? I go, don't worry about it. I'll tell you later. And what I ended up telling her later is, I'm like, they're telling you that because it's cheap. And she doesn't understand. She so, hasn't, so that was literally her first experience. We walked in and I got her in there because that was one of the rooms that had an amazing right. line all the time. So I was like, right. we, we got to we hit were, this room right away. We were down the escalator with her waiting to get in. And the uh, people were yeah. like, not till nine o'clock, yellow badges only. And so that's funny. But so yeah. my wife and I had an interesting conversation about that. She's going like, well, that, if that one was 68000 how much is ours? And I'm like, I, I, we didn't pay that much for it. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, what do you think the value of ours is? And I'm like, well, oh, okay. wait a minute. Do you want me to tell you the MSRP of the gear? Or do you want me right. to tell you what I think I paid for it? Minus what I sold to buy, whatever the piece was, yeah. you know, because it's one of those things. I'm saying, you know, the, yeah. the retail value of the room, I probably paid 10% of that out of pocket after right. I subtract out those things. But so she was happy with that answer. <laughs> After um, I subtract out the things I sold and bought. And bought right, right, right. It's, it's yeah. all a cycle. Um, that was like half what our did, dinner conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what did knock my socks off in the Sony room was the, the Japan um, video, which, you know, this was hmm. all uh, looked like ancient Japan where, you know, it was a lot of um, – temples and kimonos and you know outdoor uh scapes and things like that and it yeah. looked beyond real a lot of pers- i mean it looked yeah a lo- lot of perspective shots the, those shots mm-hmm. when they do that they did the same thing in another room i'm sure we'll talk about in a second with the train and everything a lot of those are meant yeah, as a that. perspective thought that gives you that de- field of depth or depth of field i should say right where uh, you could, where you change the camera lens or change the aperture and you can blur the backgrounds or you can blur and, or you bring everything in crystal clear and like what they were showing on those shots and like the detail that you see throughout the stages of the, the depth of that. It, it's, that's what they're showing off there. And it, it was, it yeah. really and, was and amazing. The, and the, the, the color saturation, I mean, it was just super impressive. Um, but I totally agree with you that, you know, it, they were handpicking what made that projector look its very best. Of course. Uh, they then, so what's funny, you know, Sony talked up the fact that they're involved in movie creation, you know, whether it's cameras, movie studios, uh, bringing that technology to home. And I thought they did a good job with that uh, projectors, mm-hmm. obviously. 
the last thing they showed uh, was the movie 65. Uh, and this was the clip of the close to the end of the movie. Uh, no, it was the dinosaur getting burned by the geyser. I thought that. Okay, I, w- I thought it was like the beach dinosaur thing. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. But yeah, yeah, I know the scene, but I might, I actually might be confusing it with a different movie. Right. So a lot of these places showed a lot of the same movies. Right. And they, they may have picked different clips for it, but I, I think I saw the, the Maverick mm. 215 scene three or four times. I saw <laughs> once a Mission Impossible. We'll get to it. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, the 65, uh, I think the thing that I saw there that was nice was as they left Earth. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, and got back up to outer space. Um, the differentiation between the planet and the darkness above it. You know, this mm-hmm. a, I think that's probably part of why they picked that scene. Um, but yeah, it was, I thought their projector looked great. Um, I think there were others that I thought looked better. Uh, but you know, may have yeah. cost substantially more. Well, that, that uh, was a 7,000, which is about mm-hmm. $28,000. Right. Uh, and both the Sony and the JVC rooms were running without video processing. Uh, they're just the raw projectors, obviously yeah. JVC showing off their tone mapping. Um, okay, but so- yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. No, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's like it was interesting that they both did that. And it, I, I thought that I thought it was great. Now, by, by far, the most impressive speaker that sorry, projector I saw was one I didn't even get to watch, but it was the Barco Nerthus. I don't know if you saw this. Mm. This projector, picture, you know, the freezer you have out in your garage, turned over sideways, painted yeah, black. You, That's what this thing looked like. It was humongous. Um, but, you know, DCI compliant, 32,000 lumens, uh, RGB laser, 100% rec 2020, massive. Took six guys to lift it, they were telling me. I was talking with... Um, one of the guys, uh, Chris Deutsch was there, but won a ton of awards. Um, I think the cool thing about that was that it had the, uh, DCI server built into it. So if you look at a picture of it and zoom in, you can see where the three hard drives fit into it that yeah. are the exact same files that the commercial theaters get. So this is really for that Bel Air circuit. Yeah. And let me, uh, let me see if I can find it for you. If I, if the, I know what you're talking about. Um, doo, 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 doo. let me see. You didn't see my, uh, my tweet. Let me see if uh, I can pull this up for you. Just, I, I, I mean, no, I know Facebook this is audio Twitter, only. But yeah. Oh yeah. That one. Okay. So you're, I see your wife next to it. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's monstrous. It's, it's, if you stood it on its end, it's taller than her and she's 410. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it was, I took the picture in front with her standing in front of it. She's like, is, is that the is that the projector you want? Because <laughs> it's a Barco, right? And I'm like, I told her, I've been telling her for years, I want a Barco. And she's like, is this what you want? I'm like, ah, uh, not really. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, that one was what, 180000 I was yeah. big dollars, if I remember right. Yeah. But um, the cool thing when I was talking with uh, Chris, the rep about it, was that he was pointing out, it's not that their projectors go up necessarily in image quality. It's that they go up in brightness and throw yeah. distance. So they're not, they all have excellent image quality. Some are made for a screen that's, you know, yeah, normal house size. And then, you know, Hollywood superstar house size. So it's right. And they, they, they run the gamut from, you know, 
20,000 up to hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they really do need to have a video processor in front of them. Um, a lot of them, like you, you, you can get a really nice image and it's not an HD, it's a Barco, but it doesn't do a, it's not HDR, but you throw a video processor in front of it Looks and like you it. have it. And you, no, it is then because that's doing the HDR processing. All the, mm-hmm. all the projectors doing is just projecting what the processor is telling it to do. So that, cause on like, if you throw a projector, a, a processor in front of a projector, you shut the, um, the processing off on the projector because it's, you don't want it doing it twice. Right. Dumb display. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, but this here, I'm, this is, they're, they're shooting this from behind the image I'm showing you right now. This is from no, the Barco. This, no, this was a, uh, modular display. This is the I thought, screen you're looking at is okay. snapped together like Legos. By them? Yes. Oh. Barco's making that. Oh. That thing was $420,000. Yeah, thing's amazing. Uh, yeah, it, I thought it looked really good. They said that um, because of this being a trade show, the wall that it was on left a little bit of to be desired. So they said it, the guys there weren't as happy with the tolerances. They should have said, it, you know, if you got up closer, you shouldn't be able to see any seams. But right. Yeah, it looked great. From uh, the seats, from the couches or no, wherever you were sitting. I, was, I, mean, I you, honestly, I thought it was a screen because I didn't no. spend a lot of time at Barco. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. No, I, I, but it, I, I, I thought it was a rear projection because they have, uh-huh. who else had the rear projection going? Somebody else or somebody had it going. Uh, um, I saw a lot of the flat panel modular type displays, large, huge oh, displays. I forget who it was. Somebody well, had Light a Escape had the other one and that was another, again, the big display. Quantum. The yeah. big, yeah, the quantum, yeah, I put that one out. I took, I took a picture of that. I actually, I was talking with, I think you have his name in the notes here, Andre. I was hanging out talking to Andre for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. they had Def Leppard on, and I ended up buying that. I didn't already <laughs> have it on my Kaleidoscape. Standing there right. with him, I go, which one is this? And he pulls it up on his phone because he has the menu, and he goes, oh, no, it's I that was, one. I was there at the time. I was with you. I walked up right you? during that conversation. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, okay. I didn't know uh, which day. What was that, on uh, yeah, Friday? That must have been late in the day, maybe after on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to Saturday next after Sony, I went over to SVS. Uh, we tried, we, I, my wife and I walked by Trinov, could not get in there, uh, without waiting an hour. So decided to go see who else was there and got over to SVS and only watched one demo. They were constantly demoing. It was just clip after Mm -hmm. clip. They weren't really, it wasn't the 15 minute sit down dog and pony spiel type of thing. Um, but Larry was there and we watched, uh, Mission Impossible 5, which was the BMW and motorcycle, uh, race or street chase scene, uh, and looked good on a flat panel display. But what they really were talking about there was the value of the system. So they were, Mm -hmm. um, showing off, I think they were under $10,000 worth of gear and 6,000 of that were the two, um, PB16s that they were using. Without a roof on, getting tactile base in in a you know relatively small room, but uh, a lot of their you know not their ultra speakers, but their uh, prime line. So I mean, it was I think it was a five point two system. I mean, it was impressive uh, what they were able to do running off a Denon receiver. Uh, so they were really, I think, kind of showing more the value side of things. And yeah. uh, he and I talked for a little while, but yeah, neat demo. Uh, even with just the two channels overhead, got good, um, you know, 
without a roof on the building again, uh, open to the entire hall with the, the walls flexing when the base would hit. Um, yeah. But yeah, th- thought that yeah. was not really uh, a good little demo that they picked for that one. Yep. Yeah, they they do. A, that's one of my things I'll be talking more about later. It's like Larry's. Okay. It was amazing. Just, I mean, getting a lot of these people I've met through the show and mm-hmm. had them on, talk to them from time to time, but then to meet them in person like this and having it been, it's been such a, you know, obviously I started the podcast right before COVID. Like I started in the fall of 19 and, you know, then everything gets slowed down. Like even my, the idea of me going to CD, it gets slowed down by all right. that. Right. And it's right. like, okay, so here we go. And it's been so long and I've, you know, developed some, you know, friendships, relationships with people and that now then to meet him and especially like Larry and have him tell me, have him on the show. And I mean, he basically, he's gets paid to do what I wanted this show, what I love about this part of the show, right? Like mm-hmm. just the scenes and everything. And when he came on and he's like, oh yeah, that scene there and, bup, 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 and he has the timestamps. So I'll say it again later, but it's worth saying now. It's like just sitting in one of his demos. It's just, it's amazing. He's just now, so now much fun one- to watch. The one thing I will take away from SVS, and, he, and Larry did address this at the beginning of his presentation as he was putting one of his 90-plus discs in, is that it, it was the only demo I saw not using Kaleidoscape. Yeah. Kaleidoscape was in like 42 or 43 every, different uh, booths. Practically every room. It, it was everywhere. So they actually published, I don't know if you have seen this or not, but they had a mm-hmm. uh, map of the show of every booth that you could find them in and a list of all the different manufacturers they had partnered with. So it was... so. Uh, won numerous awards. Uh, I actually shouted out their uh, marketing team on LinkedIn for doing what I thought would be a very impressive job. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the other thing. Did you happen to notice? Uh, you might not have. Um, if you look at some of the videos that are out or if you got the opportunity to go behind some of the racks and see what they're using, some of them are using some old school kaleidoscape not old old school but like strato s's and stuff because that's, oh, yeah. that's all because they the need strato s it's just, they don't need internet either no you just take it and right? you just put it you just take it from show to show and it doesn't it, you don't need outside internet all you need is the ethernet from that to the or the the hdmi really to to your sort yep. to your receiver processor or whatever and it's like 100%. but everything's already loaded on there and it's funny because some of these racks are like hundreds of thousands of dollars just for the rack and you'll see what you know and rightfully so but kaleidoscape is a higher end and considered an expensive piece but you'll see something that you can grab on ebay there for like two grand 3500 you know it'd be like Um, yeah use strata s six terabyte s and you're like what (laughs) it's like so speaking of which one doesn't belong (laughs) i was impressed by the displays and manufacturers that had the gear running the demos out on display where you could touch yeah. it. Hmm. Right. So you could walk up to the turn off stuff and I could have turned off an amplifier or something. Like yeah. That. Um, same thing with Kaleidoscape. They had, and I put that out on ABS forum and you know, a couple of their Facebook um, just really impressed that they have the confidence in their product to know that. Yeah. We'll show it off. No problem. We don't need to hide anything. So thought yeah. that was very cool. Yeah. Um, so then after S, uh, do you have anything more? I was just going to say that Kaleidoscape rack and, and it's like, it's, you know, and that's the thing about that stuff. It's like, it really does go into, it it can go into the back room, right? It's just a server. 
you don't need to see it and you don't need to see right. but like i said when they came out with the ssd drives and the just see how sharp those look compared to yeah. the, i mean it's literally the same thing the 30 30 what 31 terabyte ssd drive is stacked yeah, right on top of the of the 88 or 48 terabyte standard you know mm-hmm. drive and they're both mm-hmm. the exact same st- size Right, the same size box, just one's black and one's silver. <laughs> and I'm Did just, you want the black one? Yes, yes. and it, it holds. So, and it holds less. I, so <laughs> I want. And, and I actually asked him, "Are you going to come out with black Stratos C's to match that for, yeah, for they someone have who puts a comp?" Mm-mm. I thought that's what was in there. They had the strat. They had the the C with it. No, they had three silver Stratos C's. I've got the picture. I yeah, I have it too. Uh, if you look at it and, and, and I, and I asked him, he's like, that's a good idea. You know, we should think about that because there are nerds like next to each other. Um, oh yeah. Oh, the S. Oh yeah. There the you SBS go. I see. Yes, that's funny cool too. I have it right here. Right here. Right. I know this yeah. is audio only. So yeah, you're right. I, I was thinking the eight terabyte. So they already have the casing. They just take the eight mm-hmm. terabyte casing for the SSD drive. It's the same size casing yep. as the Strato C's. No, so Strato C's that's all you are do. Not, they aren't as deep. Uh, the faces are the same, but they're not as deep. Um, but they also did. Right. I don't know if you picked up on this or not. They changed the logo on the Strato C's uh, with the Kaleidoscape spelled out bigger and the logo next to it, as opposed to them yeah. stacked like they used to be on the Terras. Um, yeah. So yeah. That, Picking little nits here. Um, yeah. Okay, so then after SVS, yeah. uh, walked over to the um, Romani uh, Seymour uh, Row One Storm booth and mm-hmm. got a chance to listen there. And, and then her friend Brett, you know, was um, involved heavily with that booth, um, but wanted to, you know, see what all of the hubbub was about. My my one complaint about that room was that we had uh, level zero seats. I think we were on the back row uh, in the uh, oh director's yeah, you chairs. were with me. So yeah. we were we were way back in the corners. Yeah. I, I could really hear the back speaker and I could hear the subwoofer pretty well. But unless it was something big on oh, screen, right? Okay, uh, my audio was not perfect in that one. But um, the bass was great. The um, I was blown away. So they were, they the clips that I remember seeing in there was it started with a train video and this was a train going through the forests of Canada, but the very impressive combination of the Barco uh, projector firing onto the Seymour screen, the highlights were really impressive. Like the, the copper and the metal in the control you know, of the engine uh, compartment of the train just popped like crazy. The blacks were extremely deep. You know, it was, the image really looked fantastic. Um, the big thing they were showing off there uh, between Storm and the Gramani stuff was the ability to connect everything through Cat5. So you ran Cat one, six. Sorry, yeah. Cat6 uh, network connection uh, out of the processor, the back of the processor. You know, you know, I'm used to my preamps got a bajillion XLRs coming out of it. Uh, this had one Cat6 going to a network switch. And then all of the amplifiers connected, got their signal out of the switch, and were just assigned which channel they were going to be playing uh, through their app. So it was really cool. Yeah. Um, I can see that making a system setup 
calibration, remote monitoring, all that kind of stuff, really easier for the integrator side of things. Oh, yeah. And more rock uh, solid. Yeah, 100%. Uh, except, you know, I could just unplug one wire and it would all stop working. But other than that, yeah. We you can do that now with H- a power HDMI cord. too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate so, to be the bearer on a good joke, but boink, <laughs> you pull the cord. <laughs> um, the other thing, there was a concert video, and, I, and I'm not sure who the female lead singer mm. was, but um, looked and sounded really nice. Uh, again, that one was much more upfront for us, yeah. so uh, really did enjoy the way that looked and sounded. And I don't remember what other clips they played in the Grimani uh, storm room. I don't know if you do or not. Um, yeah, they went from there. They went into the um, mission impossible fallout helicopter scene. And then oh, they did play that. Okay. Yep. And then from that one, they went right into Maverick. That was one of the many Mavericks, the uh, two two fifteen. That's right. That's right. They went out of one Tom Cruise movie into another. Yeah. Okay, I'm making I'm adding to my notes. Yep. And um yeah, that that the hundred and eighty-six inch diagonal screen uh also had four way masking as well. Um but right. they, they, they didn't weren't demo just, that. they weren't demoing that at the time. Right. Um but yeah, it's it was really, really amazing. Jen Jen was sitting in the seat I sat in the first time I was in there. And sitting in the back with you at, at that demo, um, it's, I can tell you that, yes, I noticed, like, obviously you can hear the rear channels a little bit more, but the way that room was so well balanced, it wasn't mm-hmm. overwhelming. Like, if you went into one of our theaters and sat that close to the rear channels, you really weren't getting it. You would get a really bad experience, to be honest with you. In that room, I didn't think it was horrible sitting in the way, way back like we were for that demo. True. It wasn't and, and, horrible, but it wasn't I think, ideal. <laughs> I, I think they put those extra tall director's chairs behind all the row one seating to accommodate more people because that was another demo that had a constant line for it. Yes. So um, row the first row and the second row were high-end uh, row one seats, uh, and then we got a chance to sit in those afterwards mm-hmm. outside. They had some on display. Uh, really like those. They seem like Jen wants very them. comfortable. Yeah. Jen sat in the second row. Um, that's, that's why you took her. I bet. Yeah. No. Eh, well, the one thing is I want, I want power lumbar. Um, because mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of need it. It's like gotcha. on my back and it's like, um, but they had those. I sat in that. The, one of the demos in there for me, I sat in the exact seat Jen was in and. It was, yeah, I love, those are really, really nice seats. Those second row, I can't remember what they were, but they weren't that super low ones. The front row was like, if you went on row one's website, it's their really low, entry level, high end. Um, well, they're not entry level. <laughs> they're low back. They're the, and then the back oh, comes okay, out right. for you. Yes. It's like, I mean, then they, I mean, they're really nice. Um, but the, the second row was more of a, uh, more traditional home theater seat with a higher back to it, but it was like, you know, just a wide back. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't all fancy inside and everything. It was just a standard, but it was really nice, really comfortable. So, and, and I think that any demos that didn't take an opportunity to use theater seating missed out because, yeah. uh, I'll jump around a little bit. I, I mean, we're, some of them were using, literally like conference room chairs or they were using, you know, plastic chairs with metal legs to them. Um, yeah. 
one of them used uh cylindrical kind of cushion covered chairs. Uh, and I was just like, I thought we were at a, you know, theater demo and I understand right. you can fit a lot more of the small ones and you can the big ones. But I, I think that, yeah, from my personal standpoint, it's funny because both it's an interesting conversation because both Sony and JVC used like conference room chairs, mm-hmm. like metal conference. I mean, they weren't metal to sit on. They had the cloth in the middle, but it was like, I want to say the JVC ones were like black, plastic, plasticky with the wire rim. And yeah. I thought Sony had like the same thing and they were just all stacked in a line and you just sat there and it was like, right. But it's it, see, and that, and that's one of the things like, it's not about, the like, they're selling what they're selling, not something else. Yeah, not a not a dedicated theater room. They're not trying right. to showcase that. They're just trying to show. But the pieces they're showing would go into a dedicated theater room. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. They're they're only manufacturing one the, element of it. The um, actual the five thousand. Uh, yeah, was it the five thousand? The Sony five thousand. I didn't get into that demo. Okay, that one was more like laid out like a theater. Than than the seven thousand was yeah and, and was, you're like what it's like <laughs> a lot of them didn't you know uh, the the higher end ones used risers but you know the Trinon yes. the Grimani a lot of them are just flat on the floor and I'm like eh, you know this guy's head which is, is why you have to look the at raised a picture the raised screen mm-hmm. the raised sound everything's up over you yeah. because and and that's a great point we're talking to to get back to the Grimani's room right you, you, we were literally sitting with the rear speakers right behind us. And it was still a good experience going on in that room, even getting to hear, you could hear the pans all over the place. You weren't overpowered by the rear channels. If you were in that Sony room and you bring those kefs down to ear level and you happen to be sitting closer to one of those kefs. That's all you would have heard. That's all you would have heard. There's no way it could have been balanced out well, well enough like they did in the Grimani room, right? With Mm -hmm. the Grimani speakers. So it's just, I mean, that's, those are the, those, the things that you can do when you get into that higher echelon and you go from a $68,000 room to a $500,000 room. <laughs> 100%. Um, so then after Grimani, we got over and spent some time at Kaleidoscape. Uh, really, they were demoing their equipment, but they weren't They weren't really, uh, it wasn't a demo room. You walked around the outside of their booth. Yeah. They had uh, different size displays showing off and they had you know a huge quantum display. Um, looked really good. It was funny. So my wife and I actually watched a scene from the shallows, which we had a movie we had not seen. Uh, and I checked on my phone and same thing. I was like, okay, four ninety two. I bought it you know, right there. And we yeah, watched yeah. it yesterday after we got home. So, um, I mean, it's, and, and my <laughs> wife was, it was funny. She was talking to, uh, Josh, the PR guy. And she's like, yeah. you know, I see Kaleidoscape on our credit card awfully often. And, uh, he's like, we can't be, you'll never have to buy that movie again. And he was, he was preaching to, oh, to me, the choir and to her, the atheist, you know, <laughs> um, he's so yeah. good at his job too. Oh, he was selling it hard. It was great. <laughs> hey. That's uh, great. <laughs> but yeah, so got to look at Kaleidoscape for a while. Uh, Andre walked me through. Andre Floyd, who's their uh, technical marketing director, walked us through uh, everything they had on display. Uh, really impressive. Yeah. yeah. Right next door to them was JVC. Uh, did you get in there? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. So we got there and they were just starting one we didn't make it into. So I spent some time talking to the guys and, you know, threw out some suggestions on product and things like that. But one of the things I learned from them is, they're huge in the flight simulator business, uh, which I knew 
was true for Stewart, but they were saying that, uh, you know, in some of the big hubs, uh, Denver being one of those where the show was held there, Colorado, sorry, um, have a huge uh, number of projectors they will sell that have to stay at extremely tight tolerances. Uh, and that's one of the reasons you get the huge lens on the, you know, uh, uh, NZ9 now, NX9 previously, uh, why they're all aluminum, why they have to be able to run for so long, how they have to dissipate heat and things like that. So it was interesting to talk to them uh, about that big part of their market. And then home theater uh, is a secondary market for them, which I had no idea about that. I could see that um, a small niche market like home theater or the like government buying your projectors right. to do flight simulators, <laughs> right? Or you know, mm, um, who's paying more? You know, or, or, or United or you know, right, right. The other airlines. Oh yeah, but big money. Big, you know, big money. Yeah, yeah. Spending eighteen of you know, buy can we buy eighteen projectors per city that we have? Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so in the JVC demo, they were showing off. Um, their new uh, prototype version of their new software. So they've got their um, Dynamic Tone Mapping 2. I'm not sure if that's the exact name for it uh, that they were showing off. And they showed two clips. Um, The first clip was from the movie Passengers. And it's the scene where the two of them uh, leap off the spaceship into outer space and they're tethered. No, it wasn't. That was the other one. It was the uh, closer to the end of the movie where they have to vent the reactor. So he's out in outer yep. space and she's inside and looked fantastic. Um, the the very bright image of the fire swirling around inside of the reactor and then him, you know, switched back to him being out in outer space. Uh, just looked. I, I thought it was, you know, for the price, one of the strongest displays uh, from a visual standpoint that we got to see. Yeah, frame adapt HDR. Yeah, generation yeah. two. Yep, exactly. So very cool. Um, again, all flat seats a little further uh, than screen was a little higher up because of that yep. in the room, but I totally understood that. I think they were on a Stewart screen. Most of these guys uh, were on Stewart screens uh, um, in a lot of these displays. Actually, the um, the only two stewards I saw were JVC and Sony, and then the two the other two big ones, the uh, Trinov and the Gramani room were, we're both Seymour. Were Seymour? Yep, that's true. Um, yep. I saw a lot of other demos that had uh, that also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Doc Passengers looked great. Uh, then we also got to see a scene from Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness. This is the scene early on where. Um, uh, America is getting uh, chased by the large one-eyed monster, uh, and he's battling it uh, after he leaves uh, the wedding. Uh, and they showed this from from the point where you know uh, she was inside the bus, and he takes it apart and cuts it in half, yeah. all the way you know creature climbing up the building, uh, and then the eyeball getting pulled out, and you know, and all of its gruesome glory. <laughs> yeah, uh, but looked really, really good. I mean, Excellent detail on this. Um, I, you know, really impressed by that image quality. I thought this looked better than the Sony projector myself, but that's uh, maybe a personal bias preference. I did too. I did too. I thought, I mean, the tone mapping, you could see what that tone mapping does. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really good. Uh, I don't know if it's brighter necessarily. 
Um, but it's because that tone mapping, what it's able to do, it's, I mean, I don't think between the Sony and the, and the JVC, I'm not sure on which one is actually brighter than the other, if, if that's even the case, but I know the NZ nine is 3000 lumens and $26,000. So yeah. And the, and the, the 7,000 is it's right around, it's the same price range and the mm-hmm. same thing as, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I started looking, you know, looking when I'm looking at projectors and throw distances for my new, my new room. Um, I, I came across an interesting, uh, feature or not feature, but a, a weird thing. So like, as you increase the size, now I'm looking at the middle, middle ones. So that would be the eight, the, the NZ eight and the 6,000. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is for, so like, say I was going to do a 150 inch screen at an 18 foot throw, right? Or I say I'm doing a 140 inch screen. All right. At an 18 foot throw. I get, uh, I had the numbers written down earlier, but I get like 30, 47, uh, foot Lamberts out of the JVC, right? Possible. Mm-hmm. And the Sony 6000, you get, I think it was like 37. So you lose 10 foot, foot Lamberts with the Sony. Mm-hmm. You go to 150 inches. The Sony drops to, uh, 30, 34 foot Lamberts and the JVC drops to 38. Hmm. So same distance, same everything. So somehow it's very interesting. I don't know if it's a lens thing. I don't know what it is, yeah, but, I, and this is all on projector central, go on projector central and put it in. Right. And right. compare the two projectors and you know how the, on projector central, they'll do the little, um, Good they'll tell forward. you like, for for an ambient, you know, a room with a lot of ambient light, this is what you're going to want, right? And they're both well within that. They're actually both at the far end of that. And, you know, in, in our rooms, we're not used, there's no ambient light. So we're, you know, we're fine on that. But I thought it was interesting that it, you know, the JVC cranks by 10 yeah. foot Lamberts at, at, I, I, at 140, but then you go to 150. And I'd have to question that because you're putting out a set amount of light. And if you're increasing, I don't know how they're I don't know. doing their math, but that's... But that, I just thought curious. that was interesting. When you go to up at 110 inches, I mean, I'm sorry, go up 10 inches in diang- in di- uh, in angle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, this is all 16 by, ni- 16 by 9 screen. Everything's consistent between the two. And you didn't change the throw distance or anything? Nope. Yeah, no. Interesting. Nope. No, okay. Throw distance, 18 feet. 18 feet because I, I, I know about uh, the ballpark on where my projector is going to be. I'll and play where my, that later on. Yeah, check that out on, on Projector Central. It's really interesting how the Sony only dropped like four and the and the JVC dropped like 10 or something. Or, yeah, they they became closer the hot, the bigger the screen. So I thought that, that was weird. I was surprised by that, to be honest with you. And mm-hmm. to be fair... These are all insane numbers for that size of screen. Like that's that's plenty of light. <laughs> You've got plenty of light yeah. for HDR here. You've got plenty of light, especially in a dedicated room. If you're going to put it in your living room, it, it's actually story. according actually according to Projector Central, you could do that too because they both well exceed the um, 
you'd have to calibrate it that way though, Joe. It's like, but it's like, but you can make this thing bright enough for, for a well-lit room. So. so I did get over to look at some of the Stewart stuff, and they've got a Phantom Halo mm. Two screen that's that's kind of made for the kind of, yes. that kind of application. You know, ambient light projecting. This is beyond where the Firehawk is, so it's it's really for what you're talking about. But, yeah, yeah, um, I took pictures of that. I have, I had. Okay. Uh, let me, sh- I can show you this one here. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, there, there's a good clip on. Uh, YouTube, um, July Gipez, I think is his name, talking through the whole um, Stewart yeah. booth that uh, every single product, he did a really good job. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we got a chance to see in the JVC was more 8K content. So, yeah, Phantom Haler Plus. It's one. Yeah. Uh, and then what they were doing there, they had content on a server that was coming out at 8K. Uh, this was all recorded at 8K, and this was a lot of, um, you know, yeah. European landscapes and uh, castles and people in very, very ornate uh, costumes, uh, clothing. Uh, but the, the the amount of detail they were able to get on that 8K content was astounding. Um, and I think if the industry does go that way, I think that, you know, projectors that are able to uh, process and take advantage of that much information coming in will have a place, especially when yeah. you blow it up that big. That's uh, that's exactly what I was just going to say. Mm-hmm. I think really the only place for it is like 150 and up, mm-hmm. because anything below that didn't that screen when they went when they showed the 8K content and it was like, and that's not even an 8K projector. They're wobbling it, so you're not even getting the true. But they're giving you, but their input. Their source is 8K, so they're getting a great source, and they're giving you it the best possible that we can deliver today. And I think that's pretty much what what the woman said, the presenter, right? She's like, this is the best possible you can get today. Right, and, and I thought she was really good. She was very polished. Yeah, yeah. Well, she does that. I've been in that room a couple of times already, and yeah. it's like, and it's, <laughs> I mean, it's almost like she's automated. Like, <laughs> it's so yeah, funny when you see these people, and it's like, but yeah, it's so um, that 8K, but you really, I, I would say anything over 150 inches is really the only place you really need more resolution. Anything and, under um, that, it kind of looks like what we have at like, say, 120 inches at 4K, it looked that crisp and detailed. It's like usually when you go up bigger, or not usually, but when you go up bigger, those pixels get larger and you lose some of that crispness especially as you walk up to it. But when you walked up to that screen, it just looked like you were like, oh my God, I'm like standing in front of a television, like a smaller television. The audio was almost, uh, it didn't really matter in the JVC booth at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Not like, yeah, no, no. As a matter of fact, that passenger scene I watched when I got home and I'm like, I didn't even get the part. I didn't even hear a, a line that, um, Chris, uh, what's his name? Pratt said mm-hmm. there was a line where he says in there and it's like, and it is kind of muffled even in my theater, but it's like, but you could hear it as clear as day. But there I was yeah. like, I'd seen him say that like, I think three times, four times. And I never saw, saw him say it. I never heard it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, wow. Yeah, they, it's not what they were showing off there. No, not at all. Uh, next got over to the wisdom booth, wisdom audio. And interestingly enough, they were not showing home theater they were showing more uh, hmm. 
background or distributed or multi-room type of audio. They've got uh, okay. some new technology they were building into their speakers. So they had a uh, small aperture opening for in-ceiling, uh, which was really interesting. Uh, but talked with uh, Ron Rouse over there for a while. Uh, neat stuff. Uh, but they kind of had it three different uh, walls that you walked around and got the chance. To, they were doing a sound bar in one, uh, traditional in ceiling, and the small aperture in ceiling stuff. I didn't even uh, go then, in that room. Yeah. Yeah, it was just one you kind of walked around the outside yeah, yeah. of for the most part. But yeah. Next, went over to JBL uh, and got a chance to check this out. And the JBL synthesis is always one that I really enjoy. Uh, I think this is my fifth or sixth Cedia and always try and get into, make sure we see the JBL synthesis demo. Uh, they ran three clips in there. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, which looked and sounded great. This was kind of a, the more climactic showdown uh, part of it where all six of them are going into uh, confront uh, Kingpin as he's trying to pull people out of other dimensions. Uh, but yeah, as far as uh, overhead uh, pans, uh, really just sounded phenomenal. So uh, JBL is one of those companies that puts a ton of science and engineering into all of their products. Uh, Harman has always been a leader. They've always been a big uh, proponent of Cedia. Uh, but yeah, I was really, really impressed by what they were doing in there. Did you get a chance to get over there? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, good. and it's yeah, it's uh, same thing. It's it, it it's I I've, I've never I like what they do. I've just I don't know why I just always felt like they were outside my reach, and it just never they weren't a big thing for me in my room it, for some I, reason. Yeah, you I know, used to have JBL synthesis subs in previous theaters. Um, have built systems with their equipment and been always been very impressed by it. Yeah. I think, and, and you know what that probably is. It's like, I've had the same, obviously everybody, long listeners have known I've had NHTs for like almost 30 years. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not like that, but I know how, like I respect everything they do. That's why I want to get in there, but it's, and I'd heard them, I'd heard JBL before, but it was just one of those things. It was, I don't know. I don't know if it was just out of my reach a long time ago. So I never really went back, but I, you, you, I've had NHTs my whole life. What's that? You, you kind of, uh, you, you anchored it, right? You thought of that's out of my reach. I'm never going to think about it. Even though yeah. your reach may have changed, but their gear still costs. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of always been my dream system, going, going down that route. Uh, after Spider-Man, they showed a clip, uh, Jurassic World. This was uh, as the heroine was uh, hanging from the ejector seat and drops down and then the dinosaur comes by swats a deer and then kind of chases her into the water and she's underwater. Um, again, sounded phenomenal, amazing bass uh, response, really detailed. Uh, my, the biggest problem uh, I got in this was my wife poking me in the side going, they've got soap opera effect on and she's super, uh, attuned to that and it bugs the crap out of her. And uh, she's like, why would they have that? On? Because it's a speaker company. Let's watch. <laughs> but, but see, I'm uh, spoil a little bit of what's coming later, but that's part of the experience though. I read Joe, you know, this as an, as an integrator, as a builder, you know, it's like you, if you want to, 
if you want to show off a Ferrari, you don't put on like four crappy bald tires, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, yeah. well, we're just showing the paint and let listen and, to the and engine. I did say to her, though, I did say to her, some people prefer that. You know, some people like it. Uh, some people better. do, but not the people in that room. This I, is seedy, you know agree. what I mean? These are the, you know, this isn't the general public either. And that's what's right. really interesting about this idea. And yeah. it's like, like I've done, I've done a lot of art in my life, right? And when I, when I draw a picture or I paint something or I, whatever I do, everybody's like, wow, that looks really good. And then I pull it out of my sketchbook or pull it off, you know, pull the canvas off the easel. You put a frame around it and it goes, wow. Part of the you, experience. It's part of the experience. It's like looking at a piece of art in a sketchbook and you can see the rough edges and here it is. And it's like, it's still the same piece of art, right? But you mat it and you frame it or you just frame it and you don't mat it. Oh, that looks nice. But you mat it with a double beveled edge and you do this and that. And it's like, it's the same piece of art, but, but it's but just it so much the experience. Exactly. And for I these agree. people to be trying to sell whether it's a, oh, we're just a display company and we don't care about the rest. Well, guess what? Everybody else does. And right. the people you're selling to do, and you're actually diminishing your product by not, like, by not featuring it fully framed. <laughs> you know? I, and I, I thought that was 100%. really interesting from some high-end high-end people. You know? Yeah, and and the fact that they were also showing a flat panel display uh, as opposed to a projector, and they had the center channel angled and above the display in wall, left and right in walls, in wall subs in all four corners. Um, so yeah, they just they were kind of showing off again to the custom integrators what you can do working around a uh, large flat panel display. But you know, the sound was awesome. Yeah. Did you? Uh, uh, and then I didn't know if it was in your notes. Go ahead. Then the next thing they, they did was, uh, again, the Mission Impossible 6 helicopter scene. Uh, they showed the two helicopters chasing. You know, it starts with him trying to drop the load onto the yeah, uh, first one and then yeah, yep. all over the sky. Um, and I that one, I noticed the uh, aspect ratio changing. I hadn't noticed it in some other places where they were using Because they, uh, they actually let it run longer. Like mm -hmm. in the in uh, Gramani room, they just specifically only used the the sixteen by nine frame or the the, the IMAX of enhanced frame or whatever right. you want to call right. it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I think they just let it run longer there in the JBL, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm you know in between you know we were looking at other booths and checking everything out and we were kind of crisscrossing the floor and seeing this stuff all day long so there's i'm really kind of focusing more on the demos that we got a chance to see um let's talk to the stewart guys talk to uh sendo for a while that's when we got a chance to go see barco um and when i was talking to uh the guys at ascendo in the trinov booth uh my wife's like i'm gonna go look around and she found uh Someone was playing Greatest Showman, a movie mm. she absolutely loves. So she got into a demo and texted me going, hey, I want you to come see this demo. Now, this, <laughs> this is from the same person who earlier had said, can you actually die of boredom as we're walking around this place? Because for her, it's like, you know, getting stuck in Best Buy all day long. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she loves movies. She likes watching them. But she's like, that one seemed as nice as the one we saw before or saw after. Um, 
but so she uh, pulled me into the L Acoustic. Uh, and L Acoustic is a European-based company that does a lot of uh, concert uh, audio, you know, large, large-scale stuff. But they are moving more into the home theater market. Uh, and they showed three clips. Uh, and she asked me also about why aren't more of them showing music or musicals. But they showed Greatest Showman. Uh, and this was the scene, uh, the first time the uh, Jenny Lynn performs on stage, uh, Never Enough. And it sounded phenomenal. Uh, huge amount of impact uh, from that system. And especially considering it had no walls or ceiling. It was uh, draped uh, left and rear wall and then overhead uh, was framed, but just had like transparent cloth kind of overhead. And they were doing a 7.2.4 system, I guess you'd say. Um, the surround speakers were four inch. I mean, they looked, they were tiny, you know, they were like bigger than like a Bose cube or something, but uh, along the same lines as this, they were hitting them with 1300 Watts each. Um, they had an eight channel, I believe, all, an 11 channel, maybe uh, something like that. 1300 watts per channel. This thing was mad. And it was, it was a two rack unit. Um, but huge amount of impact from this, uh, really nice sounding, uh, again, acoustically transparent screen, three behind it, subwoofers were both behind it. Uh, you could hear this thing across the hall because I kept hearing it afterwards. We had, after we had seen the demo, the next one they showed was, uh, a scene from a star is born, um, and what was really cool about this was, I think they said it was recorded at Coachella, and it was playing through their concert speakers and being reproduced on their home theater system. So that was really, I think, uh, you know, kind of going back to a company that uh, has their hand in every kind of part of it, right? If they're reproducing yeah. the concert for a live audience, and then they're reproducing what was captured there in your home theater. Uh, and then they showed Maverick, the 215 scene again. So I think I, that was probably the third or fourth time I had seen uh, that two minutes and 15 seconds. Well, but enjoyed it every time. At least you know it's only 215. Right. You get, how long is this going to be until it's over? And, how long is this? Think, oh, 215. Yeah. Okay. I think every demo we saw, yeah, right around that 12 to 15 minute mark, kind of mm -hmm. depending on uh, how long they talked about the equipment and the gear and all that kind of stuff beforehand. Um. And this, we were getting late into the afternoon now. And they were, I know on Saturday, uh, traffic was still good, which is rare for trade shows for the last day. Uh, a lot of people still on the floor walking around, seeing it. Oftentimes, that's when manufacturers get an opportunity to see the other manufacturers' booths, uh, take a look at each other's yeah. gear. But the last one we got over to was the Paradigm booth, uh, Paradigm and Martin Logan. And I've had both Paradigm and Martin Logan speakers and uh, systems in the past uh, like their stuff. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, Canadian-based companies like Paradigm have excellent research because of some of the uh, national facilities that they uh, make available up there. But so we saw three uh, demos in there. One of the things I liked about their booth was it was the only one that had like a clock on the outside that was telling you how long till the next demo starts. I'm like, well, that's, yeah, really that's cool. doing that. That was smart. Um, yeah. they, they showed uh, a scene from I am legend. So going back a ways for movies, but this was, uh, Will Smith, you know, driving the Shelby GT 500 through, uh, New York, trying to chase down the deer. Um, uh, sounded good. It was, uh, their newer, 
uh, Martin Logan motion series speakers, uh, nothing directly overhead. They have kind of an angled speaker uh, for their overhead channels, and then they were running uh, four of their 15-inch subwoofers, one in each corner. But this was the one that had the stools that were like a cylinder that you sat on, which I was like, well, that's yeah. odd. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so they don't I want you sticking was, around long. <laughs> I guess you can fit more of them that way. You can move yeah. them where you want to. Whatever. True. But again, that was another flat panel uh, display as opposed to a projection screen. They showed a clip from uh, Guardians 3, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, this was the uh, Star Lord and Groot breakout from uh, the spaceship, you know, where he unfolds and pulls out all the mm-hmm. guns and that kind of stuff. Uh, looked and sounded uh, good. Not, you know, again, they were showing a level of gear that I thought was much more attainable. Uh, but again, it was probably, you know, that forty, fifty thousand dollars uh, level of, of a home theater uh, if you buy it all at retail. Um, the last clip they showed was the Mission Impossible 6 uh, Halo Jump. Uh, with Tom Cruise, where he has to switch the oxygen bottle uh, mid-jump. Uh, again, you know, looked and sounded good. Good overhead effects there, especially from speakers on the side. You know, they, they did a good job of uh, making it feel like it was overhead. Um, and they were running, I think, off of an Anthem uh, processor in that room. But yeah, those, those were kind of uh, the demos. That was a full day of demos for us. Uh, you know, feet weren't too sore afterwards. And then afterwards, we went out and had some lunch. How long? So you got in right at nine o'clock, not okay, nine to three. We, oh, we, were, wow. we were there okay. for the closing bell. Uh, went and said goodbye to some people, and then we were walked across the street and had lunch. Nice. Yeah, we. I got. We were out of there by eleven. We had it because we were. We headed out to. Uh, we went to uh, Rocky Mountain National Park and drove around. Yes, my so. wife. My wife pointed out that you're a very nice husband for uh, taking your wife to see something other than a trade show. Yeah, it's like, well, she was, she was great. I was out late a couple nights and she didn't go. <laughs> and, uh, she was, I mean, she didn't want to either. I invited her, but she was like, no, no, you just go be you. <laughs> you want to go hang out with a bunch I, of dorks and walk home you. theater and drink? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, she, it, it's so, yeah, we had, but she had a really good time. My wife had a really good time good. at the trade show. Um, so. Did, did your wife have a good time at the show? Uh, it was, or was I, I she bored? Like she no, said. No, no, she, she, like when she, when, when it's content that she connects with, she's yeah. there to enjoy the experience, kind of like what you're talking about, not to criticize gear or watch the gear, right? Mm-hmm. So when they were showing, um, you know, Greatest Showman at the Kaleidoscape booth, she was like ready to start dancing in the aisle because she, you know, mm-hmm. was connecting with the story and the music and that side. But I'm like, yeah, but we're really here to see which projector looks better or, you know, whose sound is better overhead or who has better, deeper bass. And she's like, bullshit, that's not what I'm here for. I yeah. need that fun. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because my wife did a really good job. I was surprised. Uh, she she did a really good job at um, with the, you know, critical eye and ear. Um, she looked at things and she was like, Hmm. And then, uh, you know, well, uh, I'll, t- I'll talk more later on in the live show, but she, we came home and she did some, we did redid the demos here oh, and, uh, nice. she really, she, yeah, she's, I, well, we've been together a long time and, uh, she knows my, and like I said, I mean, I've only had the podcast for like four years coming up on four years, but I've been doing this my whole life, you know, credit you know, looking at things critically, listening to things, trying, because that's how we improve our own gear, 
right? Oh, you don't go over me, these things. And my wife has been putting up with this for a long time. Also, she used to help me roll out and heat up yeah. Dynamat in my car audio days inside oh, yeah. of our car in the garage. Right? I mean, it's just she's been extremely tolerant of uh, yeah. my hobbies and craziness. So yeah, absolutely. My, the first brand new car I ever owned is like I bought it. Say you picked it up on like Tuesday or Wednesday during the week, right? It's like brand new, right? Couldn't wait to get it home. Well, Saturday afternoon, she comes home from work or whatever at four o'clock in the afternoon and the entire interior is on the backyard lawn. It's like all like seats torn out of this oh, brand yeah. new car. And she's like, what did you do? No. <laughs> like, I'm like, I got to put in a look at it. And I, like on one part of the lawn and on blankets is the gear that's going in. And another part is like all of the seats and everything. <laughs> it's like, it's like the I, first, I, it's not a used car. The first brand new car we ever owned. <laughs> it's like torn I, I apart a, in three days. I had a 68 Mustang that for, yeah, probably a month or two had basically no interior. I remember driving that without gauges in it because I had to get to work that day. And I'm like, yeah, it still runs. Um, but because I was in the middle of trying to, you know, upgrade the audio systems, just yeah. ridiculousness. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought this was an extremely well-attended show for Cedia. I think they're getting a ton of press mm. out of it for the industry. Um, I thought Denver was fantastic. Uh, you know, I've, so I've, I've been to this show in Indianapolis, San Diego, now Denver. Hadn't done Texas before, but I think they're going to stay there in Denver for a Six while. Six years. Yeah, and I mean, hotels, restaurants, everything is, you know, one mm. or two-minute walking-type distance. Uh, there's a big blue bear looking in the window. What else can you ask for? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, we stayed at the embassy suites right across the street. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Rain or shine. And it was beautiful week weekend. So we didn't have any yeah. bad weather. Well, so that was so nice. I watched the Broncos game yesterday and they were at poured on towards in the fourth quarter. So I yeah. like, I'm glad that happened after we left. Yeah, exactly. But it's like we, I was, you know, two minute walk across the street. That was it. Uh, and it is from everything I've, from everybody I talked to, they're there. I think they signed a six year deal or six mm-hmm. more years. Uh, so they're there for at least that long. And, um, I've, I've heard other things like rumors that they want to stay there, stay there too, because it's just so, yeah. like you said, they've bounced around and it just, it's not the same. Todd was telling me like he was in Dallas last year and he's like, it's just it, the, the layout isn't as good. The city layout mm-hmm. that is, it's just not as accommodating no, as, as this area is. And like, you know, we were all talking one night after, after the show and before we went to dinner and everybody's like, where are you staying? And we're all like, there, 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 there. We're all in different hotels and everybody's like, you know, you could throw a rock <laughs> at everybody's hotel. You're that close. And like, right. like when, when you and I met for dinner, it was like, we're staying here and we all like, it's everything so it's centrally located. Yeah. Restaurant. For everything. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it was great. Um, great set. Obviously being my first, I, I have nothing to compare it to other than the fact that it was just, just an amazing show, an amazing setup. Um, and I, like everybody kept telling me like, oh, wait till the next day. It really slows down. And it never did. So no, they, it, it just, it's been in Denver before though, right? It has. Yeah. So I'm Remember, wondering I mean, if that, that played a part of it too. Like I know Indianapolis a couple of years ago was right after COVID. A lot of people. I, was, I went to that one. Yeah. And a lot of people I, I had bailed, were, meaning uh, manufacturers had bailed. Right. Exhibitors. Exhibitors had yeah, bailed. I, I, I 
there were maybe, you know, 400, 500 people at that show. It was from an education standpoint, it was great because there were like five people in each class. You could ask all the questions you wanted yeah. uh, as opposed to, you know, these classes I was in were 35, 40 people uh, in a lot of them. Um, you know, and these are a lot of designers and integrators and um, the classes I was taking when were much more, again, focused on the home theater design side of it. They offered a lot of business classes and, you know, uh, people management and HR and, you know, marketing and how to grow your business, how to all of this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to talk about home theater stuff. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, what about the, uh, the new, I, I, I thought you would be talking about that, the new information packet that we so, get the so PDF the, and that you can download. Yeah. yeah. You have the hard copy. You printed yours out. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, uh, I did a little bit of the early peer review on this. So I've had this since March. Uh, so I was you know, kind of reviewing and commenting on it here and there uh, as it was helping be developed. But yeah, this, this is a groundbreaking document and there, and it's available to the public, you know, that you guys, can, yeah. anybody can go and download this. It, I think makes it really cool. Yeah. Todd put um, out a video on it yesterday or today i think and he tweeted about it and it's got the link on where you can go to sign up and or you can download it and everything like that at av nirvana so um i think it's yeah it is groundbreaking but i think it's gonna it it, it's kind of like that conversation and i said this earlier on twitter it's that conversation i had with paul hurt about uh reference level and just being able to have some definitions on what we're talking about And, and this is this, this has is, been, I think, seven years in development and yeah. really three years in writing. Uh, and I, but the people who were involved in it, I mean, with top of the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, what's interesting is it's it's going to give the consumer something to to point towards when they're trying to get a room built or they're looking for gear and be like, why don't you? It, it, it's going to expose a lot of stuff at the consumer level. Then inside, and I think it's it's it, it it you know we talked at dinner about what's an objective measurement and what's a matter mm-hmm. of opinion, right? How loud you know something should be. This lays it all out, and I mean, so right. If you got time, I can go through real quickly the twenty one um, parameters that they're looking for, right? Oh yeah. So yeah, okay. go ahead. Shoot so I'm just going to read through this. Number one, minimum distance between the listening area and the room walls. Right. And then they have a level one, level two, level three, and level four. Level three is what we kind of consider a reference, uh, theater. And that should be, uh, greater than 1.2 meters from the seating to the wall. Uh, level four is what they call, you know, kind of the ultra beyond reference level. And they're saying like a 1.5 meters from seating to the walls. Number two, number of screen wall speakers allowed outside of recommended zone locations. All of them are zero. Right. All of your speakers need to be in the right locations. Right. So that means that any speaker that it's labeled as a right speaker should be to the right of the listening environment. Right. At, yeah. <laughs> Off axis. <laughs> Which makes sense. How do you calibrate your room if your right speaker's on the left side of the room? Come on. Joe. Yeah. But, but it's like, but, does that need to be in the book? <laughs> well, but think about uh, an overhead speaker. Right. So if you've got a right Atmos speaker, is that outside of your listening box or is it over the top of it? Yeah, but if you have a right Atmos speaker, it should be on the right side of the upper part of the room. 
for every audience member, I agree. It should be to the right. <laughs> um, <laughs> maximum SPL difference, screen wall speakers. Mm-hmm. So again, this is how much difference between the, the front speakers you should get. And they, you know, how many DB, uh, what's the maximum allowed between a level one and a level four. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, 6 dB, 5 dB, 4 dB, 2 dB difference. Uh, you know, ideally. Yeah, I they all, the it, it's, as you go from one being the lowest and four being the ultra beyond reference theater, right. it's, it, it really has to do with size of room. It, it, every single mm-hmm. one of them I read, you go through there, it's all about the size it of does. your room. And, and what's and interesting. How many chairs you're trying to fit in that size of the room. Correct. But you could have. Like Which it, we've had text conversations about. Yes, we have. But what you could have, like, say my room, for instance, I could be a two in my existing room now mm-hmm. for that one seat. Right. And it's, but it, that's it's not geared but that off of that seat could be a three. Right. And they, they talk about that right. in the guidelines that the the main listening position, the you know, uh the the, the primary seat, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, can have a rating. And then one adjacent seat to that main listening position has to be able to hit that same rating for the room to get that rating. Right. But the, the, the overall thing for me and what I would like to tell our listeners is like where really most of us are all shooting for the seat because the, the size of room you need to have to have the adjacent seat. Like now say like you put three seats across and like you said, one point five meters or 1.3 meters between you and the nearest speaker. So that means you need to have over like four feet between your seat and the side wall. If you have a row of three, now your row, that means you have like basically could fit five seats across and have like space on either side, but you don't want that because you have to have this, you know? So it's like there it's, this stuff here, it, it's a great guideline, but I don't want mm-hmm. people to, and you know what's going to happen on the internet is people are going to be like, you're wrong. This is, I'm like, my seat well, is fine. <laughs> again, this is the, 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 these are guidelines. It's a recommended practice, right? RD22. Right. So it's, it gives designers something to, Talk to a potential consumer who's building a house from scratch, who's building a room, who's doing a home theater, something that they can agree upon so that at the end when you measure it and it does the things that you said, you know you're hitting the level that you're paying for. Um, and, and the room, so I don't know if you can see this or not, but they, for they a designer, us, I was like my, like correct. most of, most of my listeners aren't this designers. Is, <laughs> right. But again, they're designing this, their this own show. This show is for integrators and designers, right? right? That's what right. CD is built around. Um, but the, we spent probably two and a half, three hours of the four hour workshop looking at everything. Sorry, at kind of like four different levels and how you have to measure it for every seat in the room to yep. see if you're doing or hitting uh, what you're supposed to, what level that particular room might get to. So uh, I'll try and speed this up. So four. Uh, maximum allowable horizontal angle between adjacent surround speakers. Number five, the maximum SPL difference between surround speakers. Six, for wide speakers, if implemented, maximum allowable horizontal deviation from the median angle. Number seven, upfiring elevation speakers allowed? Question mark. Yes, yes, no, no. For levels one and two versus three and four. 
Number eight, maximum allowable vertical angle between adjacent, so left and right rows, of the upper speakers. Uh, number nine, maximum SPL difference between upper speakers. Number 10, uh, decoder renderer capability and discreetly rendered speaker configuration, uh, excluding the subwoofers. So level one, you can get by with five speakers. Level two, they want 11. Level three, they want uh, 17 or 13 if you're running an Oro system. Level four, 17, 13 again. Uh Specification 11, the number of surround or wide or upper speakers allowed outside of a zonal recommendations location. Uh, for level one, they're saying NA, all the others at zero. They all need to be in the right zones. Screen speaker SPL capability at the RSP. Um, RSP is the seating position uh, for the main list, the reference seating position. Yes. Sorry. Uh, number 13, non-screen speaker SPL capability at the RSP. Number 14, the LFE frequencies, total SPL capability at the RSP. Number 15, background noise floor, right? So uh, mm-hmm. a level one room has a maximum background noise floor of 35 dB, recommended they want you to shoot for 28. Uh, if you go all the way up to a level four room, uh, maximum dB rating is 18 Recommended is 15. So th- this is going into the kind of stuff that so it's not third, about the a, gear. A 35 at, now at the seat. Yeah. At your, um, at your no. reference well, background seat. noise floor. To right? that so how seat. quiet is that room? But at so that it's seat, but it has to be at that seat, not just anywhere in the room. It would be at the uh-huh. reference seat or, and in, in that's how you get the score. So for instance, there's a lot of theaters that have like even a JVC, like an NZ9 in it, in the room. That thing's putting out about 55 dB. And that's going to hurt you. That's going to kick well, that, you to a whole but, different... No, 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 Joe. But what I'm saying is, is if your seat's far enough away from that, that noise True. floor is going to come. That's why I'm saying right. it's not anywhere in the room. It just means at the seat. So if your NZ9 is six feet behind you up on the air in your seat. And that's where you get, and this is where that people are going to get upset and arguments are going to happen and be like, you can't have a, a level three room with an NZ nine in it. Yes, you can. If I have five seats far enough away, if I'm sitting they, far enough away from it, I exactly. Can't and that's what or I'm saying. Put it outside the room. Yeah. Or, well, yeah, but I'm saying if somebody has one in their room, they could still achieve it if they're, for separated enough away from if it. And the SPL enough, is if saying, the room's big enough. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Nelson and I did our SPLs. We put them right up to our projectors, and his was at, he has an NZ, an NX, NX9, or NX, yeah, I think it's an NX9. And mm-hmm. his was at like 53 dB. And like mine right up to my Sony was like, you know, it was like right. 52 dB, you know. But you're right. not listening to it that way. You're listening to it. From, 10 feet from that. From the seat. Well, I'm not. I'm pretty close well, to mine, six, but I still can't hear it, right? But it's still, but that's the point. It's like, as you get further away, as a matter of fact, as I got down closer to where I sit, it was, it was closer to like it, the low 40s, closer to the high 30s. Right. And, and I'm a small it, room. 
you know. And it gets hard to measure down to those levels. With with a you know a U mic one, you can measure yeah. thirty five or yeah. maybe twenty eight TV. But what after was, that, you start getting I was into using, specialized equipment. I was using two different SPLs, and one of them dro- stopped. I think it might have been my digi- the digital Radio Shack one that I the old analog would go down. That I have far. one of those. Yeah, yeah, so do I. I can't find it. It's in my attic somewhere. I don't know how accurate they are, but yes, they will go down. Yeah, they'll go down that far. But the the ones on your phone. They'll go down that far. The digital ones, they'll go down there, but but they're I, not I as accurate. Accuracy, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. We're also- yeah. So just background noise floor with all AV equipment and mechanical systems and building services switched on at nominal operating temperatures. Right. So that means with your uh, your furnace or your air conditioning running. That means with you know refrigerators outside or pool equipment or and these are all things that you know they want the designers to take into account as they're trying to to build and charge for the design and implementation of these massive systems. You know, high dollar systems. So codifying this stuff and making it objective is really what this document is about. So number sixteen, seat to seat frequency response. Variants across all screen wall speakers, um, you know, how different uh, of an SPL or, uh, sorry, frequency response. So this is on and off axis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we start talking about some of the uh, plot maps on this stuff. And this is one of the things they really drove home was how important it is to get these specifications from the manufacturers and how this document yes. is going to require manufacturers to put out information that they uh, may not have been good about sharing previously to see if your system can do this. Number 17, seat-to-seat frequency response variances across all wide and surround and upper speakers. So it's very similar to 16. Mm -hmm. Number 18, in-room base extension, the minus 3 dB cutoff frequency point. So, you know, they go from a minimum of the level 1 that they want you to play down to uh, 35. And at level 4, they're recommending you should be able to hit 15 hertz. So this is, again, the guidelines here. Number 19, frequency response below the room's Schroeder frequency. So this is where uh, the base in the room takes over. Uh, The impact of the room is more of a result than the actual subwoofers. Number 20, seat-to-seat frequency response relative to measured RSP response below the room's Schroeder frequency per seat uh, with a one-third octave smoothing. Uh, so this is just kind of consistency uh, from seat to seat. And then number 21, the last one, level of early reflections relative to direct sound, uh, 0 to 15 milliseconds, 1 to 8 kilohertz. Uh, how long does it take? Uh, sorry, what? It, what? how many dB is that? So, again, this is something you can download and, and read through. It doesn't tell you how to do the things. It tells you what the things should measure uh, when you're done and if you've done it correctly. It actually, if it does kind of tell you how to design the room too. It tells you how you can achieve these things, how to do like basically how to get what you're looking for. And like, and then once you've done all the things that they recommend, here are the references you're going to try to hit and how many of these can you hit? And for people like us, I know you took a class on like what we were talking about over the weekend. It's like, this is what you're going to do as like, you're trying to sell this to a high end client and be like, this is what I'm doing for you. And I can show you exactly here. This is what you're paying for and all that. That's all well and mm-hmm. good. And right. like you said, that's what Cedia is for. It's for the integrators, for the designers, for, the, so they can go out and they can, they can hook a high end client and show them this. But now let's get to us, the real people. 
that but, but piece. I of went home and started yeah. looking at my room and going, yeah, my, my back speakers, my rear speakers are too close together. I Don't do that. Class. Right. Don't no, do but, that. Cause like I but, said, but like I said, in an the, idea for my next theater. Correct. And that, but, but like I said in my, in my live show and I, I want to get, I want to get Anthony on here. I want to get different people on here because the one thing I found interesting is that, and I said it in the live show. All these different rooms we went in, they had all great experiences at one level or another, right? But even, even in like, just take the two, two big rooms, right? The Trinov mm-hmm. and the Storm Audio, the Gramani room, right? L- look at their overheads. Look at their speaker placements. If you could see it in Gramani's, they were, the sidewalls were kind of, they were all behind something, but that you could see mm-hmm. their overheads. And I, I thought it was interesting that there was no real, I mean, they were all overhead. Right. But, but they, there was no real super consistency. There was, I mean, they were all in the correct place, but it was like for, for us at home, it's like I, we're getting, we are so close with what we already have at home. And I think this, this information is just going to be more, it's going to confirm a bunch of things. It's going to help us tweak a bunch of things, but it doesn't mean that anything we have is wrong. It doesn't, because this book was designed for people yeah. like you, like you and I talked about designing a room from the inside out. We are doing, we are creating, and I said it a bunch of times this weekend, we are creating art. We are taking and putting a theater in a place it doesn't belong. And we're trying to hit all those things, but we're not going to be able to. But Agreed. don't and, let that and, discourage and, you because no, we absolutely. have great experiences. A hundred percent. And there are different levels to this, right? Level yeah. one and level two. Level three was kind of what we considered the reference. Level four is kind of unobtained, but, you know, it's it's, it's out there craziness, right? I would say for and most it, of our listeners, three is unattainable, unattainable too. For, for, I, I, for a room, for room scores. We, I think we can all, almost all of us could achieve a level three seating position. If you get a room level three score, yeah. in the main listening position and an adjacent seat, that's, that's what the room is considered, right? So, right. So yeah. you have to have two um, seats centered, right? But you know and what I don't funny, like about that? You know what I don't so, like about that? Huh? That means I'm not centered on my screen. So I, we, we had that conversation. So it's, it's probably easier. Would it, what do you think odd or even number of seats? Would it be easier to be equidistant from those places? Odd for the prime seating position. The, that's the best one, but it's actually easier to hit a lot of these numbers if you have two seats. I don't seats care about the other numbers that. though, Joe. <laughs> but, but again, these are recommended care. practices. Yeah, but, I, but see, that's what's going to happen with this is people are going to be like, it's all wrong. Cause it says it right here. And I'm like, but I don't care about that, Joe, because you know what? When I'm sitting in my prime seating position and I'm the only hey, one in my theater, I, I'm that's all that matters. I, my, my money seat is, you know, front row of five, right? So I, yeah. yeah, I agree with you there. Um, but yeah. So the other classes, I'll just kind of run through titles real quick. Cause I know we're, we're getting kind of long mm. here, but so I took, and I got to uh, produce this du- and get it out in a couple hours. <laughs> no, I, uh, the double no, base array. I'm, I'm loving it. Loving it. Thank you, Joe. Perfect. Uh, double, the double base array next generation base. So that was really about how, uh, Trinov is taking a way different approach than what we saw with the Todd Welty Harmon research of building the double base array. A front wall of subwoofers plays the sound. It travels through the room. A back wall of subwoofers cancels it out, right? So it plays it out of phase and it's gone. Um, 
the science of sound. I think that was a Sean Olive class again from Harmon talking about you know how we hear and those kind of things. Uh, immersive audio system design recommendation practice workshop and workshop was the key part of that because I mean that that was probably you know uh, the most technical class I was in and that was four hours we spent all afternoon doing that and working through in small groups with other designers uh, trying to figure out how do you come up with these numbers how do you measure and it was measuring things like okay at the main listening seat let's say you have a three row theater you can get the numbers to look good for middle of the second row, but then you look at the numbers for the front right seat or the back left seat. And those, you know, are vastly different numbers and you're trying to, you know, get them all within a certain range. Um, you know, as far as, uh, SPL level, uh, dispersion off of your front speakers and how critical it is to angle your speakers correctly. Uh, you know, you don't want wide speakers shooting at each other. You want them angled back into the room. And then you need to look at the, information from the manufacturer on how wide is the dispersion off that speaker? Are you really lighting up the whole audience the way it should be over the entire frequency range? Um, next day, we got into design and imp- implementation of infrabase in private entertainment spaces. This was uh, one of the guys from Sendo, uh, Jeffrey Heinzel, talking about what it takes to build woofers that will play down into the sub-20 hertz range. Uh, from a technical and manufacturing standpoint, that was really interesting. Where they get placed in a room, um, how you cross them over from one to the next. Uh, I, I thought it was a lot of really good information. Uh, I think they could have done more, again, getting to the objective, um, measurable results. Kind of where's the research that says that uh, this is important to the theater experience, right? If I can feel the bass down sub and, you know, uh, Adam Pels, who's one of the top calibrators was also in that class talking about it. Uh, really good information. Uh, room acoustics for better bass was another class we took. Um, hmm. anatomy of a speaker. What do I need to know, uh, in order to pick the right one? Uh, and that was taught by Anthony Grimani and then, uh, audio calibration and EQ manual or automated. How do you know you got it done right? Uh, was the last class. So it was, you know, uh, a ton of really mind melting, uh, strong <laughs> information. Um, but it's just, you, you can't get this kind of stuff anywhere else. This is really the only place you can go and talk with people at this level uh, about what they're doing to design the, you know, the top flight home theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, it's, I, I hate that. I hate to say it, but the top flight home theaters, it's a, it, I said it in the live live stream. It's like we are not far off, and it's like when you're when you're getting up into the uh, Travis and I talked about this for a little bit on a different aspect of it. But when you get up into those top end, it's really. I mean, you really have to clean everything up. You have to have the higher end speakers. You have to have the higher end projectors because they're bigger. It's a bigger theater. It's a bigger screen. Right. It's bigger sound. So if it's flawed, it's going to show. And I've, I've used yeah. the analogy a ton on this show, but it's like when I was, when John and I were back in art classes and they would talk about like designing like a home theater poster or a theater poster, right? When you're designing these things, they're like the size of a wall. You're designing it to look like this. And then what they do is they shrink it all down. So that back when we were in school, like a lot of stuff was hand done or you design it. And if there was a blurb or a flaw in it, when you shrunk it down, that would go away. 
take that mentality and they, they still do that today when they're doing art for any kind of advertising or anything like that. My brother's heavily into that. He does marketing for a, a big, big company. So they still do that today. Now in home theater, go in the opposite direction. Most people are watching on a 55, 75 inch screen, any flaws, they're going to be hidden, right? And it's like, it, it, it's going to look great. If you go up, the pixels, like when you go up to a 200 inch screen on a, you know, a 4K system, you don't get more pixels. You just get larger pixels. And, you know, just like when you go to, go to your stadium and you go up into the giant jumbotron, when you walk up to it, it's actual light bulbs. And you're like, mm-hmm. what the hell? <laughs> Think of that. It's the same idea. So when you get into these higher end, that what you're paying for at that higher end is you need it to be super clean because if there's a little flaw, if a pixel's out, it's going to look like there's a light bulb out if you missed it wrong, right? That's what you're paying for. And that's why it's like, and when you, when you, I don't want to say dumb it down, but when you, I'm sorry, when you scale it back to our rooms, when you're talking, you know, 30, sub 150 inch, you're talking, you can achieve the exact same thing that these rooms are getting you except it's just not as big and it, but it's a great experience and it's, you know, and it, it, I just don't want people to, I, I, that's my thing. And what I'm going to talk a lot about in the, you know, later on is it's what my biggest thing that I took away from this is, is like how close we are and how well mm-hmm. off we are. And like they're showing the best of the best. Like, it's like going to Indianapolis or going to Le Mans and you're watching these cars perform, but then you get your, you know, little sports car at home and it doesn't do that, but man, it's good, you know? And then, yeah, that's what this absolutely. is like. So you know? let me ask you this. How many of the demo scenes that you saw at the show, did you come home and watch in your own theater? Uh, one, I'll tell you off air and I'll talk <laughs> way more about that later on today. Okay. In the live show. As much. Uh, but so, yeah. So I'll tell you, uh, yeah, I came home, turned on the Kaleidoscape and watched, yeah, Spider-Man and, uh, Mission Impossible five and six. And, you know, I jumping around clip to clip and kind of say, yeah, it's, I'm pretty close. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I like the way that works. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the overhead is good there. Yep. Image looks really good there. Yeah. So yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons I take these copious notes, right? Because you know, yeah. I want to come home and see how do I measure up? How does it stack up? Am I on the right, you know, ballpark? So absolutely. Yeah. And right again, for paying much, much less than uh, these guys did for those systems. Cause I'm but, not buying it new. It's, you know, it's uh used right. gear or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting close. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's actually, let's wrap this up so that I can, uh, one, I can produce this show and you and I can chat a little bit off air and I can tell you some stuff that's coming up later in the live show. Um, but, uh, Joe, again, thank you so much, uh, for everything, really. Uh, you introduced, you're the one that introduced me to Brett a couple of years ago. Um, and it's that coupled with just everything is just snowballed. And uh, I can't thank you enough. And then obviously dinner. Thank you very much. But it was awesome, you know, awesome experience this weekend. Uh, and glad you were there. Glad we got to meet in person. And, and I mean, that's, that's, I'm hoping more and more of that happens. But uh, definitely going next year. Uh, can't, I mean, I, that was a lot of what my wife and I talked about on the way home. Like, we're doing this more. We're doing this yeah. more. I got to get out more. So. 
Awesome. Um, well, and, but, and thank you. Thank you for the hat. Thank you for the pen. Uh, but also, you know, thank you for giving a forum to people who are passionate about this to talk about it. Because like we've said many, many times in the past, it, I, I, I can't kind of share this level of enthusiasm with friends of mine. You know, they're, they're watching right. movies on their sound bar with the captions turned on because they can't understand the vocals. I'm like, you're doing it wrong, aren't you? <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I appreciate what you've done to put the podcast together. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. So, um, but yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Uh, live 5 p.m. Eastern time Tuesdays. Uh, and so I will see you later today. And uh, until then, go push play. What he said. Hey, Fred. This has been a Hey Fred production with theme music by Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions.